Hey everyone, Jay here. I just wanted to say that we've got some really cool artwork for this episode, so you're going to want to click through to the show notes to check out the full version of the image, which we'll be showing in your podcatcher right now. Our thanks go out to Yuri Keynes on Twitter for working with us to create this piece of art. Anyway, on with the show. What's your next um, hidden gem? Now, I'm I'm going to either decide to pronounce these names or not because I can quite easily butcher names, but it is a class as a spin-off title um, for the PS3. It's a spin-off title mm-hmm. from Yakuza 4, and it is called Yakuza Dead. Oh, right. Okay. I've never heard of this. This is... It's fantastic. It includes characters from Yakuza mm-hmm. 2 onwards. So it's got four iconic characters. I'm not going to name them. Don't worry about I'll that. Yeah. Them. Jeff, Biff, but Steve. And, yeah. It's set over, I think it's about 18 chapters. Certain chapters you play certain people. So there's there's uh, there's a loan shark, a disgraced Yakuza member who still has some sort of authority, um, a chef, and the main character from the Yakuza series. I'm not going to name any of them, but if you looked them up... I'm, what one of them is the dragon guy yeah. who's got like one eye, and it's set in Kamurochu, if that's oh. an actual place. Yeah, I mean, a section of a city, right? And the further you get into the game, the more it gets sectioned off, like quarantined, because there's zombie outbreak, and um, there's very little, like in the classic Yakuza games, you talk to people, the side missions. There's a lot of story. There is, a, I think, I think it's. There's a guy who set up a company in the building and it starts off and he's got a company, but it's a front for money laundering. And one of the one of the people who owes the money comes up the elevator and then hurtles towards him and starts biting hell out of everyone. And when you hear the bullets fly and all the commotion and stuff, one of the main characters is outside and he hears it and you start, start off as him. You can, once you get through like a tutorial bit, you can freely go into the sewers and into the parts of the city that's been quarantined. And it's third person over the shoulder shooting, and each character's got specific weaponry, and even characters who don't have weaponry um, are given uh, specific types of weaponry. There, you can you get unlockables in the game. You can do certain missions. You can even get to a point where you can um, have I don't know if it's classed as idols, but you know the people that work at the the I, I don't know what it's called. You, you go to a, a set place and you can spend time with someone who's very pretty. I don't I don't know. <laughs> It's very Japan. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you spend time with you mean a hostess bar. So that's the type of that's the type of bar that's where you go in, and some pretty girl who's hired by the 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 bar comes and sits with you and talks to you in the in an effort to get you to buy more drinks and get more drunk. Because you know, if you go to a bar by yourself, I mean, you may not sit there and drink loans. But if if you have someone who's sort of cooing at you and saying, "Yeah, go on, have another drink, have another drink," mm. you're going to have another drink, aren't you? So, one of the things you can do in game is you can get one of the hostesses to come on missions with you, and you can arm them to the teeth. So you'll get this 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 hostess, this pretty little thing, armed to the teeth with either a shotgun or double pistols, mm. fighting with you, which is quite hard to set up, but funny mm. as hell when you do. Uh, <laughs> 
but it's it's I prefer Dead Souls, the Accused of Dead Souls, to the main series because it it throws you in the action straight away, plus zombies, you know. And um, there is a story to it, if you can call it that. <laughs> um, and you can play as different people. You got like New Game Plus. You know, you can go through it over and over. But it's one of those where I saw it and I saw the front cover, and it was the four main characters, a lot of zombies around them. And at the time, which it was, let me just get the, it was like 2012 it came out. I saw it, it was only on the PS3, and I, I saw it just on a shelf, and I went, I'm having that. I don't care what it's about. It looks like you can shoot zombies, I'm in. And I got that game, played the hell out of it, loved it. Then got Yakuza 4, jumped into that and thought, what the hell is this? Mm. <laughs> this, this, this isn't a Yakuza game. Then I realised I played the one yeah. that was <laughs> like an offshoot. You know, side story by itself, and I thought I've just ruined the entire Yakuza experience for myself, and I don't care because I shot zombies. See, so, but yeah, it's def- I think it's a hidden gem, and it's I don't know of many mm-hmm. people that play it or have played it, so it's uh, it's definitely one for me. It's a it's a nice creative waste of time. Um, that's fun. So it's not a waste of time. So it's a nice creative <laughs> length of time that you could spend. <laughs> It's a bunch of words that you sew together to make a sentence. No, um, <laughs> what I, what I, yeah, I English is hard. hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hard. <laughs> um, but <laughs> one of the things that it reminds me of is um, back in the day, I'd signed up for the GDC, the Game Developers Conference, which is literally like they used to send journalists there, and there's no point. It's people talking about how to write the code to make the game, right? Um, but one year for April. <laughs> For April Fools, they set up a fake conference, right? And they started advertising about it. And one of the talks was uh, a two-hour talk on the best way to implement zombies in your video game. Because, <laughs> okay. like, at the time, yeah, right, that sort of 2008 to 2015, everyone was put, just shoehorning zombies in somewhere, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely a good game if you can find it and pick it up. If, mm-hmm. if you're okay with slightly longer loading times than normal. I mean, um, it kind of fits with some of the, the like, there's some games that you really enjoy where you're just running around a building killing loads of zombies, right? Dead uh, Dead Island, Dead, what is it? Dead Rising, Dead Jeff, Left for Dead, Howard dead, the Dead, dead. <laughs> dead of the Dead, the deadest of deads. <laughs> dead the Revenge, you know. Mm. That was always a good one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's okay. it's a really good game, and I I haven't seen many people. I to a point where I was stuck at one point, and I was looking for a guide. And a year after it came out, I didn't find any guides for it, okay. so I don't think many people played it. I could be wrong, probably am, but you know I had to brute force my way through. And yeah, it's it's just one of those if you get a chance to play it, if if you see it on a shelf, you know. And it's it's a couple of quid or maybe a tenner. It's definitely worth it. Okay, cool. Okay, uh, what about you then, G? What's your second, if you've got one? My second. Um, right. I would submit before the council. It's not actually that much of a sleeper, I suppose, but it's it's one that's it's fairly long in the tooth by modern standards. It is, I believe, Sega did it. Um, Alpha Protocol. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I've played it. Yeah. 
espionage game in a vein somewhere between um, the Bourne movies and Splinter Cell. Mm. Um, And it was one of the first games, certainly of that field of genre, that offered um, storyline choices that gave you a branching narrative. And I can't quite put my finger on exactly why I enjoyed it so much, but it it actually held, it really did feel, certainly for some of the choices, that there was direct impact to be felt. Um, you became quite invested in your character and their relationships throughout the game. And some of those choices directly impacted those relationships as opposed to just events with nameless NPC. Well, not even nameless NPC, nameless public hostages, whatever. Um, And it was eye-opening. And it was done, to the best of my knowledge, well before any of the other games that came along with similar sort of branching narrative really kind of made their mark and again it was one that i I haven't heard many people make reference to but the people that do reference it they kind of give it that sort of knowing ah i see you are a man of civilization and culture also (laughs) um yeah alpha protocol definitely is it was um even just speaking about it makes me want to reinstall it and play it again now so I might have to do that after this. <laughs> one of the things that I liked about it was when you completed a mission, you got stats. Mm. And one of them, if you went sneaky and you went in all guns blazing, one of the stats that was always there, that it hits you in the feels and minute you see it, it makes you feel really awful. It says, how many children were orphaned? Ooh. So you killed their parents or you killed their father. How many? Ch- it was either how many children orphaned or how many children left fatherless. And you had a counter at the end. Wow. That was definitely one of them. And it's one of those where you think, maybe I should be stealthy next time. <laughs> How dare you make me feel these feelings? Yeah, it's not sort of like kills, confirmed kills, death. It's how many children left fatherless. It's just, you know, when you think, you could have just put deaths and made me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Alpha Protocol is definitely a good one. I remember playing that, and I have a real thing with games with stealth. If I get something wrong, I go back to the beginning. And to get pure stealth on that, if you don't set it upright, is a nightmare. When you do set it upright, it's a nightmare. Mm. Um, it's definitely you need some serious skill to do pure stealth on that. It is very hard to do, but it's 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 rewarding, no matter how you play the game, for like the storyline aspect and how you do stuff. And plus, it's it's uh, it's an RPG as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to you have to gain experience to unlock skills and oh, it's a nightmare, but a very enjoyable nightmare is Alpha Protocol. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels well ahead of the field um mm. in terms of its release. Um and it integrated a lot of ideas that persist to this day, and it was certainly the first of my personal knowledge um, that 
that did so. Um, yeah, oh, I am definitely going to reinstall it now. <laughs> it's a trendsetter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a trendsetter. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And unless it's like heavily hyped up at the time, trendsetters tend to fall by the wayside. Mm. But they're always remembered for being trendsetters, and I hated Alpha Protocol with a passion. But I also loved it, hence why I called it a nightmare. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it was uh, very much you could call it a Dark Souls of uh, the the sneaking military genre type game. Oh yeah, it was fairly brutal if you messed up. Yeah, once you got it and you performed the things that you needed to perform, it was yeah, I did it. You get caught. That's it. All plans go out the window. Unless you could run away really fast, it was, once you got caught, guns out. The only way to survive. Mm. And again, when you completed it, so many children left fatherless. You little... <laughs> oh. Maybe that's it. Maybe you should both reinstall it later on today. Mm. No. <laughs> no. No, 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 no. I'm not falling down that rabbit hole again. I don't have five months just to get past the first mission. I don't have that time <laughs> to spare. I really don't. That's fair enough. I can honestly say I've never, I've never played it, so maybe I should install it after this. Mm. Um, so for me, uh, my second um, hidden gem, I guess, would be, uh, and not the Atari Jaguar version, right? Because I don't want this to be a list of Atari Jaguar games, but uh, the the brutal sports football game that was originally on the Amiga, but also for the Atari Jaguar. Now, for people who have never played this, I feel like I'm going to get lots of thumbs up from uh, Adrian from Arcade Attack in this episode, not just because of the ABP and the um, Brutal Sports, but because we all agree that the Jaguar was an amazing console. Um, but with Brutal Sports Football, it was a it, it's an American football game, and you could play as like Vikings, but like re- realistic Vikings, you know, the long beards and the scraggly hair and all that kind of stuff, or dragons or golems or a whole bunch of mutants and stuff like that. And the whole point of the game was it was an American football game, except that you could legitimately tear off the heads of the players on the opposing team and score a goal with them. Yeah, I remember many a time you did that to me. <laughs> yeah, not Scrub. in the game. I just, I just used to rip his head off. That's right. I've, I've never been the same since. <laughs> fly all the way to America, kick my way into an American football field, and go score a touchdown. Three months of my life lost. <laughs> hey, you got to see the world, didn't you? <laughs> I got to see the touchdown line, at least. <laughs> I bought a seat for your head. You used to sit there on the seat next to me. <laughs> he says that I was carry on luggage. Don't believe him. Yeah, right. You bouncing around in the in the slot. Uh, you know, because but... you don't need that much space with just a head. You just need a little bag to put in. Moving <laughs> on. But yes, just the ridi- the absolute ridiculousness of this game. Right, it was it the 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 brutality of it was over the top cartoon action. The uh, the actual rules of American football were mostly there, but then also you had to sort of they went. yeah they were, and then you had to, uh, there was no rules. <laughs> That's what I mean. The no. rules of American football were there, um, <laughs> but you also had to sort of micromanage the team um, outside of the match as well. So it was kind of like a not really a sports simulation, but a sports arcade game and a 
um, a micromanaging managerial game as well at the same time. So after your game, you would then have the entire roster of your team all lined up, but you couldn't heal everyone if they were injured. You could only heal as much as you could pay for, essentially. Um, and if they were healing, they weren't resting. And so, like, if you healed a character and replaced their head, for instance, they wouldn't be as strong in the next game because they hadn't rested. They'd had a head transplant or whatever. It was really, absolutely really stupid. And um, it's something that is, uh, there was a similar game put onto the uh, Mega Drive called um, Mutant League Football, which has recently been uh, sort of re made, I guess, for uh, PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo Switch, and I think for PC, that is along the same lines, except you can't decapitate the enemy and score a goal with them. But with that one, you've got weird plays, like you can call down a Thunderstrike, or you can let loose the, uh, the, the, the saw blades that are built into the playing field that just decimates the, the, op- the opposition, so then you could just run through and score a touchdown. Or you can bribe the ref. Yeah, you well, can. Yeah. You can bribe the ref. But then when you bribe the ref, the next play, uh, so you, you bribe the ref and the, the, you're the offense team. You bribe the ref, the defense team, then go, well, that was a bit naff because we've lost. What the hell? Hacks, right? And then no matter what you do on the next play, the defense team that you are playing against, then murder the ref. <laughs> so then there's no rules. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, yeah, right? It's ridiculous. It's along the same lines as that um, Warhammer 40k um, football game that came out a while back. Oh, Blood Bowl. Um, Blood Bowl? That's the one, yeah, because that's, that's based on the actual tabletop Blood Bowl uh, game as well, isn't it? Yeah, from what, 83, 86, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, many, many but, moons. <laughs> but yeah, that, that would be my second... Um, uh, hidden gem that I, uh, unless you were an Amiga player back in the day or an Atari Jaguar player back in the day, you wouldn't have played it. So you don't know the unbridled joy of, because what happens is you only have one attack and that's a punching attack, right? Unless you're running, in which case that becomes like a tackle, like a leaping tackle and just watching a character punch the other one that many times that their head just falls off is ridiculous the first time it happens. And then you run past where the head was and the character reaches down to grab the head and holds it, tucks it under their arm, and carries on running. It's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. If you if you thought uh, hockey players were hard, oh yeah, by punching <laughs> each other, try punching your opponent's head off and scoring with it. Yeah, right. now, that's hardcore. Yeah, but yeah, that that would be my uh, my second hidden gem. I'd, I'd go one fair there. That's not hardcore. That's metal as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Got Doom vibes right there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, what about you, Scrooge? Have you got any any more um, hidden gems that you think? I've I've got three, so this is going to be my last okay. one. It's uh, it's a DS game of all things. Okay. Released ten years ago because I did a bit of uh, Super Sleuthing. April, so literally ten years ago, mm-hmm. just over ten years ago. It is Fancy Sad Era. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yes. It's um, if anyone's played Fancy Star. What, universe? Universe or Fancy Star Portable on the PSP. It's essentially that on the DS, but the the bottom screen, you could manage your inventory and there was chat and stuff. And it was, um, the graphics were fantastic, I'll be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, there was four different types of jobs you could have. So there was, you had your ranger, your, your caster, 
your melee, and there was a, I think there was a fourth one, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it was like a, 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 a mishmash of all three. But it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I never managed to complete it because the, the difficulty spiked on the last mission, like through the roof into the atmosphere. So it was really difficult. But it was a, it was a fun little game to play. The controls were not the best, but it was, you got used to it rather quickly. Um, good to play multiplayer. It wasn't like other games. This is like 3DS games, but it wasn't like other games at the time, the DS games where you could play multiplayer, but if one of you sneezed or one of you was wearing a green shirt, you'd lose connection. Yeah. Uh, that was um, Resident Evil Maestro is just like that on the 3DS. It was, it was terrible. Although I don't know if that was the game or the hardware at the time, the early 3DSs. But it was, it was a really good game. It was a classic style action RPG, heavily on the, the RPG elements. It had a lot of fun in it. There was quite a lot of comedic quests, um, comedic characters. There was loads of different places to explore. Um, there was an overarching story as well. The, the story consists of someone's on a planet, something crashes, a pod crashes, and then you choose your character, and then the person who finds you reacts to you either being a human or uh, a mage character, which is called a, a Newman. Or uh, an android, which classically were rangers because they're like the precise hitting and stuff. And um, yeah, it just got from there. And it's you had like comedic quests, you, you had shops. There was an underground um, hidden base where if you didn't know it was there, you you would never find it. Where you could put in codes and get like special weapons. So you go on the internet to find codes. And um, yeah, it was really quite good. It was it. Again, it had a massive, massive following in Japan because fantasy star games tend to. Any sort of RPGs tend to get really popular in Japan. But everywhere else, it just fell to the wayside. And it was... To me, that's distressing because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a cracking little game. But it, it, at the time, it wasn't uh, Call of Duty. So I don't think it got much attention. It was, it was of the time where Call of Duty got a lot of attention. And if it wasn't Call of Duty or Candy Flaps, Candy Crush, whatever it's called, um, <laughs> people didn't care. And it was, it's rather saddening. I think part of that is that um, Fantasy Star as a series of JRPGs, has always been massive in Japan. Like, it's bigger, I would say it's almost as big as the Final Fantasy series in Japan. The only difference being that there have been, I think at my last count, 185,000 Final Fantasy games, and there's only been about 20 uh, fantasy-style ones. (laughs) Accurate ripples harsh. (laughs) And that's not even counting the um, let's put it across and HD it, right? And yes, I am counting the Kingdom Hearts games in that list, right? Because there's like 12,000 of those as well, right? 16. Yeah, and, and they're not even named consistently. That was my biggest problem with Final Fantasy VII's remake. I was like, oh no, it's got Tetsuya Nomura directing it and he directs all of the... Um, Kingdom Hearts games. This is going to be. There's going to be twelve thousand of these games just to tell one story, and even then, it's not even going to f- tell the f- story. <laughs> but yeah, 
I digress slightly. <laughs> but yeah, I, I've always enjoyed a, a fantasy style game as well. Um, every now and again, I I think I preferred fantasy style for, but I've never, I don't think I've ever played fantasy style zero. I may have to check it out. I do have a, a 3DS and a 2DS around here somewhere. So maybe that should be something I check out. It's definitely worth it. Definitely worth, worth a pick up if you've got it. Cause it's, it's just a cracking little RPG. Really is. What what style of RPG is it? Like, is it JRPG line? It's PSL. Oh, right. Okay. See, what I was going to say was, is it a JRPG line dancing or is it an action RPG? Like, fancy stuff. It's an action RPG. It's got um, a block and a roll ability Mm -hmm. um, thrown in. So imagine PSO, but you could actively block and roll. Okay. On a portable device. It's it's a good one. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, uh, what about you, G? Uh, I'm down to honourable mentions now, my friends. Ooh, oh, okay. Death Spank. Yes! Oh. Those are two <laughs> words. Those are indeed two very no. good words. Those are one <laughs> word. That is a name. That is okay. the name of your main character. Um, are you talking the original? Or the, I've, I've only or played the original. So... Death Spank. I think one of the games was called um, Death Spank and the Thong of Death yeah. <laughs> or yeah. something. It was essentially, you started off and it was like a medieval RPG adventure. And at the end of that game, when you finished it, you transitioned into a different time frame. And that's where the second game started. And then the third game started. So the first game was an RPG medieval style. The second game was set during a world war, but was still an RPG. And then the third game was set in the future. Yeah, wasn't the second one was The Baconing? Yeah, Death Spank The Baconing. And that was set during <laughs> World War. It's called The Baconing. And the third one was called Song of Destiny, yeah. I think. I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong. But, yeah. Oh, it's it's just a, a preposterous game. Um, and it just... I mean, certainly the first one. Yeah, get it. just get it. Get it just and play get it. it. It's well worth it. Well, where do as you're I told, mean, honestly. Um, <laughs> of course, it seems like a preposterous game. It's made by Ron Gilbert, <laughs> 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 you know. So, that's the guy who did like the Maniac Mansion games. And Sa- is it Sam and Max? Am I reading that right? Probably not. So, uh, Zach McCracken, Secret of Monkey Island, Maniac Mansion, um, and also Total Annihilation as well. So, that's interesting, really. Yeah. I was unaware of that. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Death Spank was just hilarious. Um, It just completely, it was, imagine the bastard love child of Discworld sort of fantasy ideas and Deadpool. And just kind of. That is a good description. With one in each hand, just. Mash those things together brutally, <laughs> and then play the mess, and it just works. It's just so silly, very simple, easy to pick up, and just great fun. If you want something that's just a little bit of a change from the usual sort of isometric looter shooter shenanigans, then uh, yeah, definitely give it a look. Okay. The third game shouldn't have happened story-wise. Death Spank was the was like the ruler 
is the name of this franchise just going to reduce Jay to laughter? Hang on. Hang on. I ain't even told you the, the story of the third game yet, and he's he lost has. it. He's, I've got the fear. <laughs> but whenever he's referred to in game, when he's introduced, because it's, it's told from his perspective, he refers to himself in the third person, so it's me, Death Spider. <laughs> That is pretty much how he speaks through the entire game as well. <laughs> the third game, he's the ruler of a futuristic city. He gets bored. He pushes a button to release all of the criminals in the city so he's got something to do. That's the story of the third game. <sighs> this is a game I need to install after this conversation. Not Alpha Protocol. Death Spank. It is brilliant. What's this? You, there was a co-op mode as well, didn't? Was it? Um, it, it was. It was. It was a play on Simon, yeah, Simon the, the Wizard. On it. <laughs> yeah, look, Simon yeah. the Wizard, and he was. It was an inept wizard. That was uh, your second player if you wanted to do couch co-op. Yeah, it was great fun. Great fun. I played that with the. And he, lo- he looks so. Th- he looks so thin, emaciated, and he, he looked like he was terrified all the time. Did Simon the Wizard? It was mm. hilarious. Uh, very very good good game <laughs> worth worth the time um definitely goodness. <laughs> yeah i'm content with that choice especially in the second game because it's it's like based in the world war in a fictional world war um one of the characters that you talk to i think he was a, a heavy gunner specialist so he, he fired the massive howitzers and stuff and the first time you talk to him, he just yells, loud noises! <laughs> <laughs> and someone that I knew at my previous job had that as a text message tone, and it scared the living bejesus out of everyone in the room, <laughs> apart from me. I burst out into a fit of laughter because I knew where it was from. <laughs> but yeah, I'm pretty sure he was a, a howitzer operator or something, and that's all he ever said. It was like loud noises, but he yelled it because he couldn't hear anymore. But even the missions were nuts because I remember specifically there was a, a mission and there was an old guy. And once you did a mission for him, he unlocked like a, an upgrading bench or some sort of shop that you could do. And th- you had like missions in, like story missions, and you could collect orbs that gave you hints. And one of the missions was you had to, you had to create this taco for him, right? <laughs> And it had to be a, a spicy meat taco, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, you had to go to certain areas of the map to get miscellaneous items to create this taco for him. I remember it was something like a taco shell. And because I had to look, look it up, I couldn't figure it out. This is how backwards the logic was. So you had to find a taco shell, random meat off an enemy, dandelions, right? And to make it spicy, you had to sprinkle on raw sewage. And this guy loved it. And it was he, he gave you rough ideas of what he thought should go into it. And I looked at the ingredients and I went, how the hell would I ever figure that out normally? A dandelion, random meat, a taco shell, and raw soap. I get it. I get really? it in this game. I get it in this game. It is brilliant. It's a right laugh. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And it, it's, it's absurd humor, so you don't have to worry about um, it being... You know, if, if you've got kids running around, you don't have to worry about it because a lot of the humour comes from the absurdness. It's not over-the-top violent. It's meant to be really funny. Um, but, yeah, it is, it's well worth getting if you can track mm. it down. 
I can't remember if Steam, you can get it yeah. on Steam. You yeah, might be able to. But oh, sorry then, yeah. But definitely worth playing. Yeah, the humor in it's just you got it down to it. See, it's it's Deadpool and Discworld mashed together. Yeah, and not like sort of neatly blended. It's a real brutal mashing together. <laughs> so <laughs> it's very yeah, well the It's messy and it's good because of the mess. Bit like a taco. <laughs> <laughs> so. A bistu meat, dandelion, and raw suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, I'll have to track that one down. See if I can find it. Um, my uh, my final pick for uh, hidden gems is a wonderfully fun and silly because uh, we, you know, we just had my other two were kind of violent and over the top. We had a first person shooter. We had a sports game you could tear people to pieces in. Um, the final game in my list um, is a wonderfully little silly, almost like a Pac-Man type game. It's called Gubble, <laughs> and you you play as this little this little cute uh, purple alien who sits in almost like a, a Doctor Robotnik style egg cup, and you just have to move around the stages picking up like uh, screws and nuts and bolts and and tools and stuff. And there are little baddies that can hurt you. And when you get hurt, he makes a wonderfully silly noise. And when you finish the level, he makes a completely different wonderfully silly noise. But it's just this wonderfully cute loveliness that is just, it's so wonderful, so wholesome to play. What do you reckon, Squidge? I know you've played it. I've played the hell out of it, yeah. It was it was one of those games when it came out, it wasn't a major title game. It was, uh, I mean, I suppose you could class it as shovelware mm. to a point. But yeah, it's just if if you want to switch off and play a game and just it's there's there's nothing very complicated to it. You as Gubble, you hovered and then you attached to a uh, you, you attached to a tool, so it was either a screwdriver or a hammer, and you undid screws or you hammered in nails or you did something like that, and you had to get all of them and then get to the exit. Mm-hmm. It was that was literally it, and the whole point was you did enough of it, and everything that you unscrewed or nailed in or did something. You got them parts, and you needed them parts to get to your ship to get back home. Yeah, that was literally it. No overarching story, just very colourful, very kid friendly. Gubble made some awesome noises. I'm tempted just to track them down to put them on the you phone. Totally now. should. But yeah, it's uh, it was one of those PS1 games where you think, "What the hell is this?" And why have I been playing it for three mm-hmm. days? I need to breathe at some point. You know, I should bathe. <laughs> you know, it's, it's one of those that you don't even realise you. You're playing it for that long because it's just so enjoyable. It is. It's it's wonderfully silly. Like the the level designs mm. are very much uh, Marble Madness. They're sort of tiered, and you have to jump down from level to level, or I suppose Dig Dug. Uh, so it's very Marble Madness, Dig mm. Dug inspired. And yeah, it's just wonderfully silly to play because you're just this little purple alien, and he's oh, I've got to go over here and pick this. I've got to go over there, and there's no violence in it whatsoever, other than when the bad guy hits you. Um, and yeah, it's it's wonderful. Just this little thing you can put on and just not have to worry about anything in the world. I would definitely, I definitely recommend checking it out. Hmm. So, uh, have you got any honourable mentions, Squidge? I know G has a few. I just had three. Okay, where do you go through all? Yeah. So you don't have any of your honourable mentions at all. Okay, no, just- fair enough. Um, let me just check my notes. Do I have any honourable mentions? The only one the- you said notes on nuts. I. I- could have sworn he just said check my nuts i mean either way i'm not bothered <laughs> <laughs> turn your camera off 
I'll never eat gooseberries again. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, according to my notes, um, I, I I did have three, but I want to really cut it down to two. Um, and and that's just because the, the three that I did have was uh, Sonic the Hedgehog and the Sega Master System, because that was, it was actually developed by a completely different team. And unless you had a Master System, you never got to play it. Uh, Resident Evil DS. So the first game, but on the DS with those wonderful features, like you had to blow into the microphone and occasionally as you go through a door, a zombie would attack you and you had to swipe it with the stylus to defeat it. And I fight. Yeah. Oh, and the fighting beyond the snake. <laughs> exactly. The and the, fi- the final oh. one was uh, the total conversion mod for Doom for uh, aliens. So it was like alien colonial Marines, but in the Doom engine released in like 1996. Yeah, that's totally taken Squidger back, hasn't it? <laughs> I never knew about that. That I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, it, it was. I like a bit. It was too. wonderful. Even yeah, better yeah. if I can shoot xenomorphs. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. aliens. Xenomorphs just a posh. Yeah, test. somebody had gone through um, and actually like converted all of the uh, the the. It was essentially a wad, right? Because the, the way that Doom worked was you had these wad files that were all the data files, and each one represented uh, each one contained files for each level. And somebody had gone through with uh, unofficial modding tools and completely converted the game from being a first-person shooter where you run around in action and shooting lots of things and killing all the enemies to you are now a colonial marine and you have to go into an alien hive and do loads of stuff. It's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I don't know how well it plays with the modern like Zed Doom and... Uh, Doom Shell and Doomsday and all of these uh, open source implementations of Doom, but it's definitely worth checking out if you can uh, get a hold of it. And I think it's a free download if you can find the WAD file. It's usually out there free. You just need a, a you know an official version of Doom to play it through, but or one of these like uh, Doom uh, open source Dooms or whatever. But yeah, I've 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 got Doom on Steam. I'll I'll hack it together. There you go then. Okay. There you go then. You can figure it out. Yeah, definitely check those out. Doom it, yes. I like it. Doom it. I'm leaving. <laughs> but yes, um, so those are those are our uh, hidden gems. We did have a comment from the community, a community comment. I don't know whether we should make a little jingle for it. Ooh, do. But um, yeah, uh, that's, that's the one. Uh, so Chris McCauley has said. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Jeez, I'm the worst at jingles. That should just be it. Just be going, doodly doo. are you the best? You're the best I at mean, jingles. come on. That yeah. kind of improvisation skill, it's it's a rare thing, <laughs> my friend. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me of the um, the Fry and Laurie improv sketch that they did on their sketch show, which was genius. It was like, um, for this improvisational sketch, we're going to, I'll be the fruit seller and you'll be the fruit buyer. Hello, I'd like to buy a melon, please. That'll be 27 pence. Here's 50p. And here is your change. Jeez, that was ex- exciting, wasn't it, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> oh, dear. But that being said, yes, we've had a, uh, a a comment from the community, and it was a friend of the show, Chris McCauley, who is an all all round amazing person to talk to, um, has said that he would recommend people check out Defenders of Oasis, which is a Game Gear um, RPG title. Now, I've never heard of this, but I do have a Game Gear emulator, so after this, I'm going to totally buy a copy off of eBay and then use my own hardware to rip it so that I can play it on the emulator later this afternoon, right? 
Ah, oh, of course you are. But that's what I'm going to do. So yeah, I have to come back to you on that and tell you what it uh, what it what it's like. But there you go. Um, but that's that's the end of that segment. Doodly do. <laughs> no, that's no, 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 no. That wasn't the same doody doos. There's a slightly different doody do because if you heard it the first time, right, the licensed one is doody do, and mine was doody doos like that. You see, completely different. Taking the vanilla ice um, de- uh, defense there. Just about to you say, know? yeah. Theirs goes dum 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 dum. Mine goes dum 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 dum. Totally different. I'm convinced. Oh, good. I'm glad that you're convinced. I'm glad somebody is. I'm not. Yeah, we... I'm never convinced. I didn't tell him what I was convinced of, but uh, yes, I'm convinced. <laughs> no. Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Dagay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.